Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. TNT. And I will not fight. TNT. I'm a power load. TNT. Watch me explode. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show. As you can tell, I'm already in a great mood. In part because Christmas is my favorite holiday of the year and I'm already in the Christmas spirit, but also because I get to share this hour with all of you out there, my friends and family on Facebook and Insta and Twitter and all that. And I get to share this time with none other than DJ Carrot Sticks. Yes, I love it. Yeah. Oh, his own voice today. Yeah. <laughs> and he always cracks me up through the, through. I can see him through the window when he's doing his thing behind the boards back there. But I'm also in a great mood because the meltdown continues on the part of the left. I mean, it's like election night all over again. You know that feeling of watching them in complete histrionics and meltdowns and hysterics because they just can't accept the fact that this has happened and they've got to try to come up with excuses for why it's happened. And the latest narrative is, oh, my gosh, it's all about this fake news. It's all about the fake news. That's why Hillary lost these fake news outlets. And, of course, the fake news outlets and the fake news stories, you know, are all, you know, any any type of conservative media. OK, because see, they can never say that there's any illegitimacy in anything involving the media that involves the left. <clears throat> and so I got to thinking about on the way in tonight, I got to thinking about fake. There's so much fake going on on the part of the left. In particular, this fake news story narrative is totally fake. They know it's not true. But they can't admit to anybody about really why Hillary lost. So they've got to create a fake narrative in order to continue to try to justify why a fake candidate couldn't win. This was a woman who couldn't even navigate a flight of stairs without help, who was having seizures literally out on the campaign trail. But they were trying to pretend to us that she was healthy enough to be president of the United States. So there was a lot of fakery going on there. Right. Uh, look at the polls and the, and the fake reportage that was going on with the polls out there. We know that they were skewing the samples and doing all kinds of shenanigans. The polls are like the unemployment numbers. So easily manipulated. We know that that was fake. We know, thanks to WikiLeaks, the extent of the collusion. I mean, we've known with our own eyes the real fake news coming out of the mainstream media. But we didn't know the extent of the collusion. But for a guy, a non-American, a hacker, stuck in an Ecuadorian... embassy who was reporting the full extent of the collusion involving the media outlets. But for hackers, we don't even have news is so fake today in the mainstream media that there is no such thing as news. We literally have to depend on hackers to get us our information. That's how fake they are. And what did we find out that was going on with the fake news, the collusion that was feeding her feeding their fake candidate questions. Even they knew how fake she was, that she wasn't up to the job. They had to feed her debate questions in advance and town hall questions in advance. We know the meetings that went on with the different people from the media outlets, including debate moderators that were meeting with her. And we also know, thanks to WikiLeaks, how deep the fakery was with her in which we read with our own eyes that she had a public position and a private position. We know... That thanks to WikiLeaks, thanks to a hacker in an Ecuadorian em- embassy, we know what the whole game was. We're going to continue to conspire f- to have an unaware and compliant citizenry. 
So everything was manufactured and fake. Everything was. And it was intended to keep the American people stupid. To try to get it over on us. And the American people weren't stupid. But it, but it helps that we actually have legitimate media. It helps that we have citizen journalists out there. It helps that we have Americans that, are, that were waking up and wising up to the fake game that was being played by the left. Because they were also fake about what their agenda is. Their agenda is not about caring about minorities. It's not about caring about women or any of the identity groups that they pretend to care about. We know that they actually despise Every one of those identity groups, we read it with our own eyes. As they called blacks ne'er-do-wells. They called voters in Pennsylvania and Ohio white trash. They despise the very identity groups that they pretend to care about because they despise America. They're the worst at Corona. Oh, we got to get big money. Another fake line. We got to get big money out of politics. That's all that the left is about. And the, and the ultimate fakery fakes coming out of Hollywood, boy, they're in major meltdown mode right now. These are people whose entire career is based on fakery. People pretending to be somebody else, reading words that were written by somebody else off a page. And then now they got their knickers in a twist because nobody gave a crap about what their opinion was before the election. Somebody said on Facebook today, well, don't, don't, we shouldn't even be talking about Madonna and what she had to say because she's just trying to use whatever to try to get some media attention. You know what? And no, it needs to be said because what did Madonna say? Because it reveals so much about the left. She said that Hillary didn't win because women hate women. Thank you, Madonna, because that is really the truth. They hate every one of us. They hate every identity group that they pretend that they care about. We all know the real deal. The American people know the real deal. And that's why they voted for Trump. They know what's fake and they know what's real. And Donald Trump is real. And he already has real results that he's brought to the American people thanks to winning the presidency. But we're going to continue talking about some of this fakery going on because we got a news site that's been in the crosshairs, that's been in the sights, actually, of uh, the left in this whole fake news narrative coming up after the break. I'm going to be bringing on my buddy Matt Boyle from Breitbart who's going to be here. And then later on in the show, we're going to talk to Dr. Zudi Jasser is going to be back with us because nobody's talking anymore about this Somali refugee Islamic terrorist attack that happened in Ohio State last week. We're going to keep putting the the pressure on that issue here on the Andrea K. Show. And then we got to get into some economics. You know, we're talking about Trump being real and providing real results. We got my buddy Al Arias who's going to be here. We're going to be talking about some economics. So we got a lot coming up in the show. Don't go anywhere. to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K spelled K-A-Y-E. Hey guys, I want to let Andrea K Show listeners know about the great program that honors our fallen heroes at Christmas time by putting a wreath on every tombstone. Go to wreathsacrossamerica.org. You can donate your time, your money, as little or as much as you'd like to. It's at wreathsacrossamerica.org. Thanks so much. 
Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. <laughs> Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. No, it's not a coincidence that DJ Carrot Sticks keeps playing songs from Greece because I showed up in the studio tonight wearing... Wearing, I think it's like a hot, trending, little happening satin jacket going on. But I walked in, everybody at the studio was like, you're wearing the pink ladies jacket. So I guess I'm looking like Rizzo, right? Or what's the other one? Pinky? Pinky. Uh, no, I think that was from Happy Days. Pinky. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the beauty school dropout? What was her name? Oh, was her name? I don't know if her name was Pinky or not. Could be. Cause she, oh, maybe because she had the pink hair. So, she dyed yeah. her hair pink. Anyway, thank you for making me laugh. Um, we got some serious topics we got to be discussing. I was before the break. I was talking about the latest excuse that's been, and and they're like going on and on and on all over the mainstream media. It's the fake news narrative. Yeah, that's why Hillary lost. It's all the fake news out there. And really, one of the reasons why they're doing this is not just to to deny the truth as to why Hillary lost and what the American people want. It's also continuing to push back against uh, free speech and against the free flow of information. They want to tamp down and stop actual outlets that are getting good information to the people. And one of those is Breitbart. So I asked my friend Matt Boyle to come back on from Breitbart and talk about all the stuff surrounding the fake news and, and what's real and what's not. Hey, Matt, welcome back to the show. Hey, what's going on, Andrea? Um, well, what's going on is, I mean, it, it's just all about the fake news, Matt. You know, and the left is hysterical over fake news outlets, particularly Breitbart. And I'm here, I, I asked you to come on to give people an opportunity to hear whether or not Breitbart is the real deal, baby. Well, I would argue that Breitbart is the real news and the Clinton News Network, CNN, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and Politico, among others throughout the legacy establishment media, are the fake news. Uh, I, I refuse to use the term mainstream media anymore because of the fact that we are the mainstream media, talk radio conservative uh, outlets like Breitbart. We're the mainstream media. Clearly, I mean, Donald Trump just won a landslide election. Our views are more mainstream than theirs are. Uh, The New York Times is uh, a fringe group on the periphery of society, uh, far outside the mainstream. The editorial viewpoints that are put forward, not just on their editorial and opinion content, but also their news content, the narratives that they focus on uh, at the New York Times and at CNN are, are, are outside the mainstream of society. I would submit to you that the, the, the legacy establishment media outlets are the fake news, and Breitbart is the real news. We got it right over the yeah. course of the 2016 presidential election. We got it right in Europe with, with the Brexit vote. Uh, we got it right uh, uh, on all of these other major stories. I mean, those are just two big examples, but there's a, a countless more 
where we get it right and everybody else gets it wrong. Uh, we have a premium on accuracy that is not displayed by the New York Times, that is not displayed by Politico. Uh, what we're doing at Breitbart is something called journalists. We're listening to people and we're reporting on what's happening around the country and we're getting as much information out to as many people as possible. And we do believe in more voices, not less. Right. Let me ask you this. Other outlets. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the reasons why they're they're saying they're using the supposedly false false Pizzagate story to as proof uh, that, you know, really, because what this is all about is they're trying to get people to only watch ABC, NBC and, you know, CBS and the mainstream. So they're trying to get people to to not uh, go to anybody else. And they're using this phony Pizzagate story or conspiracy as proof. What do you know about this Pizzagate situation? Well, first off, we haven't even covered it because it's not there's not evidence of it. In in um, the idea that Breitbart is pushing that is just not true. We aren't. Uh, we're you know I I think mainstream uh, you know or the the the, the establishment legacy media outlets have covered it more than than we have. Uh, we're we're not out there pushing inaccurate stories. They no, they're are. not. Well, they're not saying uh, that Breitbart is pushing Pizzagate there, but they're using that as an ex- as proof yeah, that oh because Pizzagate is false. And there's other there's right. other narratives that they'll that they're pointing to. But again uh, you know, at Breitbart, we have a premium on accuracy, and these other places don't. And, um, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but in Europe, this is this is actually really troubling. The European Union now has standards that they're going to enforce via social media companies that if uh, Facebook, Twitter, etc., don't uh, crack down on what they deem to be illegal content that is, you know, by the European Union standards that are set forth, by the way, by a a, a, an unelected bureaucracy at the European Union in Brussels, that they're going to actually start cracking down on these social media companies. It is government-imposed censorship by an unelected bureaucracy tied closely at the hip with Angela Merkel in Germany. That's what's coming here if people... Uh, uh, don't stand up to this. That's we, right. It, it is, That's it the is end game. Troubling. Yeah, it's truly troubling. Look, here's the deal, and this is how dictators rise. This is how dictators rise. Dictatorships uh, rise and thrive using government power to censor the news and censor discussion uh, and, and open debate. And, and, and that's what they would like to do at this point. And so uh, we submit, you know, that, that Breitbart is the real news. CNN and, and the Washington Post and the New York Times are the, are the, are the fake news. They right. all got it wrong. Right. Election. If you read Breitbart, you knew what was going right. to happen. Absolutely. On Absolutely. If you're just tuning in, this mm-hmm. is the Andrea K. Show. We're talking to Matt Boyle from Breitbart. Uh, one area in which they are hanging around the heads of Breitbart in, in an attempt to get the end game, as you just talked about, which is to shut down various sites that are considered to be extremist or unworthy, according to some, you know, or uh, putting out information that they think should be considered un- unworthy or unreadable by some unelected official is they're continuing and we heard this see when when Steve Bannon was picked you know as a senior advisor by Trump and all hell broke loose about him being mm-hmm. some anti-semitic and all that um, I thought well this story is going to last two days oh no it's continuing we saw it continue up in, in a little showdown with mm-hmm. Paul Mary and Conway up in Harvard they are continuing to push that Breitbart was a platform for white supremacists led by Bannon please address this 
Yeah, well, first off, Breitbart is not, we're one of the most diverse newsrooms in the country. Uh, Andrew Breitbart himself was Jewish. Uh, our, our CEO, Larry Solov, who founded the company with him and is still our CEO to this day, is Jewish. Joel Pollack, who's our Breitbart California editor, is Jewish. Uh, we have multiple more Jewish voices on the website. We have multiple African-American voices on our website. Uh, Sonny Johnson is a strong African-American woman. Jerome Hudson, uh, who covers corruption for us on a daily basis, as well as some Hollywood stories, is African-American. We have uh, legal immigrant voices uh, on our website. One of our top national security uh, reporters is an immigrant from El Salvador, uh, who followed the whole process and did it the right way. Um, uh, Edwin Mora is his name. Uh, we've got tons and tons of uh, uh, multiple voices from a diverse viewpoint on Breitbart. So the facts just don't fit the narrative that they're putting forward. But ultimately, the reason why they're doing this and the reason why they're attacking us is because of the fact that we're effective mm-hmm. and we're, and we're uh, making a difference. And look, ultimately speaking, as these main... Uh, I don't know if you saw this video of Dick Cheney, the former vice president, doing an interview with CNN, a CNN reporter on a panel a, a few days ago. Um, but he made the point that uh, the reason why the media is all freaked out about Donald Trump's Twitter account cause the, is because Donald Trump is using that to get around the mm-hmm. mainstream media directly to the American people. We don't need no stinking CNN anymore. Right. We don't need no stinking New York Times anymore. There's no use for them in society. I don't right? think we need the press. We don't need the press corps either. I, I don't even know why we need right. to, to have these daily press briefings where we've we've got a, a spokes yeah. standing up there spinning. I hope the White House, when, they, when President Trump comes in, uh, decides to, to significantly shake up how they do that and, and, and really go rough and tumble with the White House Correspondents Association. But I, I, you know, I, I just don't see a need in society anymore for these different legacy media outlets. Breitbart News has supplanted them as the news organization of record. And the reason why we've done that is because, again, what we're doing is a thing called journalism, something right. the New York Times has failed to do in 50 years. Right. And, and what we're doing is we're going out there and listening to people and reading. Right. Reporting accurately what's going on. It's not rocket science. Right. Well, let me get get, get you some uh, an opportunity to address some other things going on with Trump well, before I run out of time. What do you think about some of his picks? Uh, ben Carson, who I think is one of the most brilliant people to ever walk the planet, uh, was nominated to be the head of HUD. And you would think that he was a Democrat, um, given, you know, all the racist, uh, you know, comments that are being made about him. I mean, we couldn't even question an Obama lying about Obamacare without being called racist. Um, you know, the, the left is beating up all day long about how he's unqualified and he's, you know, doesn't have enough experience. Uh, what do you think about that nomination? Yeah, well, first off, I think Dr. Ben Carson's a very smart person. I've gotten to know him very well over the past few years. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does to revive America's inner cities. I think it's going to be uh, really interesting. He, he brings a, uh, you know, uh, an interesting approach uh, to, to the federal government. And to about you know questioning uh, uh, the government and questioning the the president on on the, on the health care law, um, you know again the, what they're trying to do is they're trying to shut down. They're trying to censor open debate and questions. Evil will never win this war. They might be able to win a couple of battles on this front, but evil will never win this war. Good will always prevail. And in, in those who believe in freedom of speech and open and honest debate are always going to win. So no matter what they do, we will always prevail. 
jail. There's nothing they can do to stop right. us. Well, what I love about Ben Carson is he's going to be the first dude who's head of HUD who came out of the hood. Okay, the rest of them have never come out of the hood. They don't. They don't want to go into the hood. They don't want to drive through the hood. They don't want to fly over the hood mm-hmm. in their you know uh, gold plated uh, jets. This is a man. And on top of that, yeah. what they really don't like about him is that he is a man of color who rose up out of the hood, not on entitlements, but on opportunity, on education, on our hard work and ambition and intellect alone. And so he's not about telling the uh, telling the people in the inner cities that they're victims and that they deserve to be given, uh, you know, everything in the world handed to them, that they need to earn it on their own. And so that's it's going to be quite a different approach. And I think that any man who can navigate the neurological system and separate conjoined twins can kind of figure out a government agency. So uh, President Trump takes a call from Taiwan. Uh, I don't know all the details behind it. The details are continuing to emerge that it actually was a call that took a couple of weeks uh, to set up, that Bob Dole was involved. Um, what message do you, I think it's, I think it's fantastic because I think it's, it's, you know, we've got America saying, China, Beijing, I ain't got to get your permission to who I talk to. Amer- Democracy is back and America as a superpower is back. This is the first time in eight years, Matt, we don't have a president apologizing to the world and kowtowing to everybody. I love it. What do you think? Why are we letting, why have we let since 1979, why have we let communist China dictate who we can talk to and who we can't? Uh, I think it's fantastic that Donald Trump is standing up to the communists in Beijing. And, and you know what? I think that the, uh, um, you know, the, over the course of the next uh, several years here, this is not something that's going to happen overnight because the communists have had control for so long in Beijing. But I do think that we need to have a debate as to whether or not, uh, you know, certain human rights things are going to uh, uh, be uh, uh, improved upon in China. Uh, and, and, you know, we're in the 21st century here. It's time that China got its act together. Uh, and, and good for Donald Trump for for uh, for being willing to, to talk to the president of Taiwan. I think it's a great great move on his part. Well, absolutely. I mean, Obama, Obama overturned decades of lack of diplomacy with the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism and and uh, uh, state, a country that had taken Americans hostage for 444 mm-hmm. days and that pledges every day to the destruction of Israel and the United States, and he gave them billions of dollars and nu- nuclear capabilities down the road. And, you know, but but they're in hysterics that Donald Trump took a call. I mean, it's, it's absolutely absurd. Uh, can I ask you for a prediction, my man, Matt? Mm-hmm. Can you give me a prediction on who you think is going to be Secretary of State? You know, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't. I, I learned a long time ago, and this is the difference between us and the the legacy establishment media. I don't like to make predictions that I don't already know things that are going to happen. <laughs> um, but. Uh, you know, look, there's a lot of different qualified people that uh, that the president-elect is speaking with and interviewing for the position. And so I'm sure whoever he picks will be a very talented person uh, and be able to carry out the Trump agenda on the world stage. I agree with you there. And I got to tell you, this is how much I dig you and Breitbart. I went to the grocery store the other day, Matt, and I did not buy my brown sugar cinnamon Kellogg's Pop-Tarts. Okay. Hashtag, awesome. hashtag dump Kellogg's. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. No, look, what we're seeing is, is a, a variety of uh, corporations are now trying to use their influence to shut down 
again, open debate in the United States. So Kellogg's, of course, pulled their advertising from us. And in response, we've called on people to dump Kellogg's. And we've seen hundreds of thousands of people across the country already in just a few short days stand up to do it. And uh, people are, are getting rid of Kellogg's products. They can go to Breitbart.com and, and join the petition. And uh, we hope that everybody does uh, and stands with us against, again, this totalitarian uh, 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 liberal mindset of trying to shut down freedom of speech. Well, thanks so much for being here. I stand with you, in, 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 even if it means sacrificing my beloved Pop-Tarts, Matt. Have a great day. All right. Thanks so much. All right. All right, guys. Now, uh, stay with me, because on the other side of the break, I've got none other than Dr. Zudi Jasser is going to be back with me talking about the, uh, what are we going to do about the immigration crisis that we've got in Islamic terrorism and how those two meet. So we're going to talk to Dr. Zudi about that. And then after that, I got my buddy Al Arias, the original, the OG, who's going to be here to talk about the economy. So don't go anywhere. It's the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Oh, that's the hand jive. <laughs> DJ Carrots played this song from Greece. I'm sitting here thinking, what is this? I'm liking the rhythms. I'm liking the Congo drums. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. You know, little-known Andrea K. Show fact. In fact, you know what I should do when I a few years ago when I first started the show, I did a I did a segment over a series of uh, ten facts, a new fact each week of things that people didn't know about me. And as I was introducing myself to listeners, I think I may need to bring that back here. You know, because I've got a lot of new listeners since then. Here's a little fun fact about Andrea. Back when I was at Club Med, or at least it was fun for me. When I was at Club Med, which was in Mexico in Cancun, which was like the craziest for singles Club Med at the time. Uh, they had one night where they wanted all the guests to do a little stage performance. And I was nominated to play Sandy in Greece. Um, I didn't particularly like their choice of the Danny Zuko. But, <laughs> but a couple of cocktails in and I, and I was there. I performed. Um, super excited to have my next guest on with me. It's, uh, he's been on the show before. He is one of the best minds that we have out here to deal with, you know, uh, an issue that just continues to be growing. Last week here in America at uh, Ohio State University, where my niece just graduated recently, summa cum laude, if I may brag, as well as her boyfriend still works there on campus. Well, they had a uh, Somali immigrant uh, 
conduct or wage uh, Islamic terrorist attack by driving, using a, a car, an SUV, and a knife as a weapon. It's been, I think that was seven days ago, I think it was a week ago today, nobody's talking about it anymore. It's like this has become the new normal. So I had to bring on Dr. Zudi Jasser, uh, host of the Blaze Radio podcast, Reform This. I love that. Uh, he's president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, co-founder of the Muslim Reform Movement, former, he's a hero, former U.S. Navy Lieutenant Commander, author of A Battle for the Soul of Islam. Dr. Jasser, welcome Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Andrea, it's always great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So I'm not hearing anything else in the news about this terrorist attack that happened. Uh, it, not just an Islamic terrorist attack, not just an Islamic terrorist attack on American soil, but by a Somali refugee who was brought here out of the goodness of this country's heart, paid for by taxpayers. Not hearing any more about it. One of the questions that I had last week after this happened was, who's paying for this person's tuition? Because we know that this refugee program is very expensive to bring people here. And, you know, I got a niece that's probably going to be spending the next 15 years of her life trying to pay off the tuition. I still haven't gotten an answer to that question. We have a major problem going. The left immediately, you know, wants to try to not only justify or say that there's no problem here, but also actually tried to make him be the sympathetic character and that anybody who speaks out about the real issues going on with this person is Islamophobic. Right. It's, it's, it's the layers of this onion are just unbelievable. Number one is, like you said, why aren't we talking about it anymore? It, it, it's, it's almost as if we have become anesthetized or, or beyond complacent. And we need to have a daily, just like we have a weather report, there needs to be a, an American security jihadist report on every newscast to talk about, to get Americans. I mean, remember Ronald Reagan, one of the reasons we, we won the Cold War was he would almost daily, from the bully pulpit of the White House, remind Americans about prisoners of conscience, about the evil empire. There was constant reminders of the threat that we had. We don't have that, and I think things will change, obviously, in January now with the Trump administration. But in the meantime, we're being attacked, and the, the refugees that are here, like you said, there's so many layers to their programs that we're not addressing. For example, the uh, National Security Entry and Exit Visa Program, which was supposed to be a registration program for anyone who's visiting here, we know less about people visiting, let alone refugees, that were, there was a Catholic Charities Program in Louisiana that said they had uh, a few thousand that were, at one point, they knew where they were, Three months later, Judicial Watch said, you know what? None of them, they knew where they were anymore because they had moved and been displaced to elsewhere uh, or, or shifted to other programs, but they couldn't trace where they went. And then you say, why do we have a security threat? Nobody really cares about connecting the dots. And if you do it, you get called a hater, and yeah, which is absurd because I, as a Muslim who loves my faith, will tell you, I have family in Aleppo. And if they have rushes of people coming from the north part of the city where ISIS is, they don't want them coming into their neighborhood. They're going to want to know what their ideology is. And we need to start talking not about terrorist acts that happen, you know, with knives and trucks and whatever it might be. We need to start talking about ideas of people that are here as visitors or as, as immigrants that are incompatible with Americanism in order to be safe. Right. In fact, we, uh, as part of the Trump transition team, they met with, I think it was a Kentucky Senator Kobach, I think it was, and he was carrying some documents that got a lot of attention in terms of he's being, he was up for the job for DHS and, and in terms of immigration, he wanted to bring that to the vetting process, which is questions about ideology. You know, we, and even though, even then though, I don't even know if that's going to work because when there's something called Takiyah where they can just lie to you, 
you, you know, why, why would we even take the chance of bringing anybody in? You know, I was at the Act for America conference in September and Brigitte Gabriel brought up a good point. She says, if we have, if China had, and the citizens of China had some type of terminal disease where you would die on contact, we would halt anybody coming from China until we could tell who the carriers of that disease were. But we're not doing that here. Anybody who questions anything is called Islamophobic. There are billions of people around the world. We can't bring them all in. Why are we not being smarter about who we can bring in? When you talk about programs, I I started, um, you know, doing some more digging into when did this even start? You know, we we, so much of us want to blame Obama. We want want to blame Paul Ryan for this refugee program. It was actually signed. um, The refugee admissions program was actually signed by President George H.W. Bush in 1990 as uh, to increase, quote, decrease, increase diversity in America. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of, it's like goodwill platitudes on a bumper sticker. And, you know, here we are. And now the it's supposed to be like considered the new normal. I There's an article on, I don't know if you've heard this, on 100percentfedup.com in which I think it was 12 uh, Minnesota Muslims have been charged with not just going to Syria to join the Islamic State, but actually using college tuition money paid for by the taxpayers to pay for it. Yeah, you know, I, you know, as far as the, the jihadist threat, Minneapolis and Columbus are the two highest from the Somali community that are radicalized because of the concentration and the lack of integration and the lack of programs to 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 assimilate their ideology. And that's not our role to have to do that, but we shouldn't be accepting folks that don't agree with us. And in the Minneapolis area, have groups like the Council on American Islamic Relations that has been fighting tooth and nail a program called Countering Violent Extremism, which I've said is too weak to start with. Mm -hmm. It should be Countering Violent Islamism, but yet they fought it tooth and nail. And it's no surprise that then around the Minneapolis area, you've got actually over 40 jihadists go to al-Shabaab in Somalia, to ISIS in Syria, and into the global jihad. But I will tell you one caveat that I hope your listeners would agree with me on is that, yes, we should pause immigration. But one of the reasons why America... I think has the only solution globally to this battle is that we have a formula of a secular state that's under God that we come together regardless of race, creed, or ethnic origin, and we celebrate religious freedom. And this ideology that a nation-state identity can be predominantly based on religious freedom under God is the only antidote to this global Islamic Islamo-nationalism, which is the threat. So if we're going to do that, we can't surrender that idea to say, well, we don't want Muslims in. I mean, we fought World War II, the Vietnam War, in which we brought people in, many of whom wanted to wanted to kill us and were part of the enemy, but we figured out how to vet them. And if you talk to intelligence folks, there are ways. I had one of my podcasts was interviewing a, a fake uh, refugee, uh, Abdul, in which we talked about what are some of the questions that I could ask. And I, as much as they could try to lie, a good intelligence officer that does good interviewing can tell if they're sort of telling you what you want to hear. Or I mean, you need to ask them questions like, do you think the Prophet Muhammad should be drawn in a cartoon or there should be laws against that? Do you believe, you know, then ask them about men and women equality and other things that it would be hard for them to keep one narrative that makes sense 
without right. at some point being obviously trying to tell you what you want to hear. Right. Well, we need to be dealing with, uh, the, you're right, with the ideology instead of like uh, Angela Merkel, who just, you know, open borders, you know, come on in. And now she's saying, I guess, a- after we've, uh, they've had so much crime and, and gang rape and all kinds of stuff. In fact, a teenage refugee, uh, an Afghan national, has been arrested for the rape and murder of a 19, this is according to the Mirror, a 19-year-old daughter of a senior EU official in Germany. He was a medical, uh, she was a medical student who volunteered at a refugee hostel in her spare time. And the suspect had recently been given a home by a local family. And, um, you know, that that's just one of many stories that's happened in Germany with the influx. And I guess Angela Merkel now at a defense uh, at a uh, some type of conference the other day said, well, now she thinks maybe the solution is to ban the burqa, but not really ban the burqa, but just ban it where it's legally possible to ban the burqa. What? What? Uh, that doesn't even make sense. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, the interesting thing is she's just throwing a bone to the nationalists there that are really upset with how she's committing national suicide by accepting a million refugees in. And, uh, you know, hopefully she'll follow through with that. Nobody has a right to wear a face mask, and that's what they're talking about. Even in America, where we have probably the greatest law to protecting religious freedom, I don't want the government telling us what clothes to wear, but there's an old Supreme Court case from New York State which basically said, you know, if you're having a demonstration, you can't wear masks because the government, part of public security is identifying people's faces so that if they commit crimes or whatever, you know what they are. There have been suicide bombs committed by folks that looked like a woman in a burqa, and you had no way to identify them through facial recognition or anything. And right. and that's what that's about. So it's, it's pretty much a no-brainer. I don't know why she's even talking about the Constitution. It's really, if you want to have a safe Germany, People should walk in the streets and have a facial identification. Well, I'm all on board with that, but it just as a blanket solution to the issue that they've got with radical Islamist terrorists coming in uh, across the border, you know, as part of this refugee situation, I think that's that's a little bit of a, of a Band-Aid. I'm absolutely on, on board with the ban the burqa, but I don't think that that's the end-all, be-all solution. She goes on to say that it's legitimate to expect in- integration from newcomers. The, the question is, how do you do that? I mean, you know, by the time I was 16 years old growing up in the South, Dr. Jasser, I'm a Southerner to my you cannot take the Southern out of me. You know, I mean, it's just a part of my culture. And I think that the, whether or not we can successfully integrate people is a, is a question. And I think that we need to be honest about that. And, and, you know, you know more about how to reform that and how to integrate people than anybody else. Can people That's who why. come here steeped in a certain culture, a culture that thinks it's okay to, to perform female genital mutilation on 12-year-old girls with no anesthesia, that thinks it's okay to stone women, that thinks it's okay to tell them that whether or not they can drive and and everything in some of those cultures over there, can they ever be assimilated into Western culture? If those are their beliefs, no. Um, I can tell you that's not how I was raised. There are, I think the majority of Arabs and Muslims uh, that come here do not believe in those things. They leave the Middle East to escape that. But the numbers right now, 98% of refugees coming are Sunni Muslim. That is an inappropriate percent. If you filtered the Islamists who believe what you're talking about, we have a Muslim reform movement declaration that's simply two pages. It says we reject the caliphate, we reject all Islamic states, we believe in the equality of men and women, and people can find that at muslimreformmovement.org and look at it. I would say if we use that as a filtering mechanism of ideas, and then if we bring people in, our Muslim Liberty Project engages Muslim youth and immigrants and says, you know, listen, this is what America is about. It's an idea. 
This is how you assimilate because this society will protect your rights if you believe in it. You don't want to die for ISIS or Islam. You would only want to die for America and this country that protects you. And that would open up the 20 to 30 percent then could then be Christians, the Yazidis, others who we should be bringing here because they are certainly no threat. They're not part of the jihadist movement. And yet the numbers are so skewed. I call Obama's refugee program a Darwin project, which is simply to let the you know, the strongest, the most militant come through when, in fact, it really should be done with vetting of ideology. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. How can people get more information? You've just got so many different projects you're involved in. Our website is AIF, as in forum, AIFdemocracy.org. And my Twitter handle is Dr. D-R Zudi, Z-U-H-D-I, Jasser, J-A-S-S-E-R. All right. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thank you, Andrew. Anytime. Take All care. right. Now we're going to take a break. We come back. We got to get into some business here with my OG of business. Business. <laughs> Al Arias. Don't go anywhere. More Andrea K. Show on the other side of the break. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Hey guys, I want to let Andrea K. Show listeners know about the great program that honors our fallen heroes at Christmas time by putting a wreath on every tombstone. Go to wreathsacrossamerica.org. You can donate your time, your money, as little or as much as you'd like to. It's at wreathsacrossamerica.org. Thanks so much. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. I should have Facebook Live going on right now. Do my hand gestures. Before the break, I was talking to Dr. Zudi Jasser, and we were talking about the immigration crisis that we have in terms of the importation of radical Islam into the country and the terrorists. Uh, taking advantage of our goodwill and our hospitality. And, uh, you know, one of the things I failed to mention when I was talking about the money that's going for these refugee programs, I mean, these these refugees getting college tuition that they're then using to, you know, go back and join the, the Islamic State. And I got to thinking over the break, we had an American hero die in a VA hospital last week in Oklahoma with maggot-infested wounds. And we are spending taxpayers' dollars to bring terrorists here. We're funding our own demise. It's insane. It's outrageous. But I got to move on to some good economic news because I've got my buddy Al Arias here with me. I consider it, you've been on for, for so long now on my show talking about things that can be done to jumpstart the economy, things with taxation and with regulation, before he even got inaugurated, sworn into office, President-elect Trump did some good economically for the American people. He saved 1,100 jobs in Indiana with Carrier, and he did it without even a stroke of a pen or executive order. 
He did it without any government having to give anything. He just negotiated a great deal. Did he not, Al? He did indeed. Look at the stock market. And the amazing thing is he sold a bunch of his shares before the uptick. So well, what's what's the financial press going to make of that? Well, yeah, they're trying to say right now, oh, you know, he sold his shares before he did this here, whatever, as though he's somehow gaming the system. First of all, this is a man who spent how many millions of dollars of his own cash to fund his campaign? I mean, if he was really looking just to protect his pocketbook, he wouldn't have run for president, okay? Um, but in, in terms of what this carrier deal was, I love it because it, you know, everybody... Austin Goolsby, this supposed great economic mind who was behind all the lies that was the Obama administration, said, this isn't a good deal. This is a payoff. He paid Carrier to stay in business. No, he didn't. All that he did with governor of Indiana Pence was allow this company to keep more of their own money. In fact, Eric Bowling did a little equation I want to run by you, Al, and the listeners. Uh, Of the 1,100 people that were saved, that their jobs are going to be kept here in the country, the average salary is $70,700 a year. That's $77,770,000 worth of income that remains in the state of Indiana. At a 25% federal income tax rate, that's $19,442,000 thousand dollars is going to be going back to dc not that i like any money going to them and at 3.3 percent in the state it's uh two million five hundred and sixty four thousand or maybe 25 million i don't know you do the math al that's seven hundred thousand dollars off of a tax reduction of seven hundred thousand dollars a year in indiana that's some good math is it not it is indeed yeah so to me, I'm thinking all these people complaining about it. You're the kind of people that would complain if you had a ham under each arm. There's nothing <laughs> to complain about here. No wonder we have the stocks at the highest they've been in a long time. I mean, everybody should rejoice in this, should they not? I think so. Well, but then some people are saying, well, but he can't do this over and over again. I mean, doesn't he have to have just a comprehensive instead of picking and choosing winning winners and losers? Does Of course he does. Of course, he's already said he's going to go into office and he's going to have economic policy across the board that does this for everybody that lowers taxes and reg- regulation. Correct. Look, the bully pulpit is thought of as a political issue but it's an economic issue as well. And he's setting the tone Mm -hmm. for big business in the United States to stay here. Mm -hmm. And he's willing to pay for it with tax reductions. Yeah. Well, what's new? That's how you do it. That's how Arizona gets business from California or Nevada or pick how many states are pirating our businesses with tax concessions. Well, yeah, you look at you look it up the road here. We've got Hollywood execs, these the ones that are in hysterics today, talking about you know Trump and this and and, and that. These are the very people that that are criticizing this deal. They vote for high taxes and regulations, and then they skip off to Georgia and all around the world that has lower taxes and tax rates. <laughs> right? Everybody knows that it's real simple. You know, lower taxes well, pick, equals jobs. Pick Google and Apple. Their effective tax rates are. Almost zero. Well, and one of the criticisms, and you're a free market guy and I'm a free market person, I can kind of understand where people are coming from when they say, you know what, I really don't like uh, sticks. You know, the the 
idea that Trump's going around saying, you know, with threats, you take jobs overseas or whatever, there's going to be consequences, there's going to be hell to pay. Well, I don't think he's meaning literally like he's going to be sending, you know, the brothers Guido to come and, you know, or Bubba out of the South to go and break kneecaps. You know, the, the punishment can be in the forms of... I'm going to make it economically better for you to stay in this country and keep your keep your jobs here. Therefore, if you take your job somewhere else, you're going to feel a little bit of pain, right? Correct. So I, I think his strategy, uh, being so unpredictable, actually seems to work consistently. How does how? Do, okay, jive that well, for me. How so, uh, being unpredictable is consistent? What? No, it works because of the, the, the effect of the bully pulpit mm-hmm. is pervasive. Right. Okay, because it, it's going to be me. It's right. going to be me. I better not. Yeah. Well, and look who it was this morning. It was Boeing. He came out and said, Boeing, you want $4 billion for another Air Force One package? No. And, and everybody in the oh, left. Boeing comes back. No, it's only 125. Right. <laughs> so not the point, brothers. What he did was he did what business people do. I did corporate sales for a long time, man. I hated to try to sell to people like Trump because these are the people that say, you know what? Come back when you get your best deal. Otherwise, bugger off. I ain't, buying, I ain't paying list price on your plane, okay? Give me your bottom line deal. And oh, by the way, as we hear more about that, he's so strategic. You're right that he's you know, unpredictable when there's really a lot of calculation behind it. Because now we find out, at first, that there was hysteria on the part of the left and there was the, well, it's not really $4 billion. It's really more like one point whatever, as though that's relevant. Uh, what, there was a deal that Obama did with Boeing, uh, a government contract that involves, yeah, Boeing's going to build aircraft fighter jets and they're going to do it in India. Now, this was a man in 2008 and in 2012 ran on um, how the Republicans are outsourcing evil corporations, outsourcing jobs. And what did Obama do? He had his job czar, GE, start up jobs over in China. Now he had plans to for American fighter jets to be built in India. And Trump's that's part of what's behind this deal. He's ba- he basically did a signal to Boeing, come back with me your, with your better deal. And oh, by the way, I'm expecting them fighter jets to be built here in America, right? Well, I I think that is an overstatement, but that's the idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, they're going to use India and other places that have lower costs than we do Mm -hmm. for parts or et cetera. And um, I think that the, you have to know more about how they build planes and where the big labor components are. It Mm -hmm. seems to me that assembly is probably the biggest or a sig- significant uh, component of the labor costs and jobs. Mm-hmm. So if we have the assembly here in the U.S., cool. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to be having parts and components and well, et cetera, of course, of all course. Over, from like, all over the world. Right. And I don't have a problem with that. I worked for a national, an international company. We had Fuji Xerox. We had, you know, I don't remember what the term was for Mexican Xerox. And we had manufacturing and parts and everything, just like the automobile manuf- industry, parts coming from everywhere. But to send entire, the entire manufacturing of our jets overseas while also getting top dollar for Air Force One, I mean, that's just not acceptable to Trump. And this is just, this was just a, a first shot across the bow. He's signaling to them, you know, you need to come to the table and work out a better deal with me. And he's trying to keep jobs here. One of the funniest things that at the top of the show, I was talking about fake news and how the left is saying that it's, you know, uh, Hillary won because of fake news outlets. The fake news story that had me laughing a couple days ago was that um, the 
Christmas gift from Obama to Trump was how good the economy was. Yeah. <laughs> right? See, I laugh too. We got 40 million, 43 million Americans on welfare, 12 million more after Obama took office. And he's got he's given Trump a gift of good economy, 20 trillion in debt. We've got mass exodus of jobs leaving with a massive influx of unskilled poor people coming in. I mean, final thoughts. Well, Final thoughts? I, yeah. I think we're on the going in the right direction for sure. Mm -hmm. And he is showing how dynamic he is and how capable he is of putting together very, very talented people mm -hmm. with di diverse, diverse opinions. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. So he's going to be hearing the positive and negative in all sides. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's a welcome change. From somebody like the predecessor right. who surrounded himself principally with people that think like he does. Yeah. And whether whether or not it ends up being all the every aspect of the fighter jets, for example, or other jobs kept here, one of the things that, that's yet to be determined is what he's gonna do with regulations. It's, that's it's something the overall that you philosophy. As well he has said that that he's gonna do a lot to pull back regulations. That's something that's been really important to you, that's gonna be a really critical aspect of keeping jobs here and jump starting the economy. It's important to everybody, starting with banking. Yeah. So if we, the banking stocks are going up. Yes. On the basis of reduced regulation. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I just went hunting with uh, 12 businessmen mm -hmm. and th every one of them universally welcomed the idea of reduced regulation. And they're diverse, you know, they're in farming, they're in manufacturing, they're right. in banking, mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, it's it's universally well received amongst the business right. elite, the small business elite. I'm well, not talking no. about right. in big business; they're challenged. Right. Well, you are an expert in helping the small business. How do people get a hold of you, Al, for your CPA expertise? Go to my website, avariasandco.com. Mm -hmm. uh, you can call me six one nine two nine six two one two three. And uh, email me, avarius at avariusco.com, or text me. Okay. <laughs> 619-884-7503. I'm uh, winding it up. All right, good. Because I, I got to get to my Hero of the Week and last week's Fool, this week's Tool Award. Before I get to my Hero of the Week, I got to get to my... Most of you out there won't know who this last week's fool, this week's tool person is. It's a local here from Cal State San Marcos. I know the DJ Carrot Sticks knows who she is. Her name is Dreama Moon. This is a local communications professor here at Cal State, Mar State Marcos, who in her communications uh, studies, she recently had hosted the Whiteness Forum, which included, it was all about how uh, white privilege is oppressing people of color. And she had a white beauty standard display. And a display called Make White America Make America White Again, which had Donald Trump's baseball hat and whiteness in court. I mean, it was you know she describes this as as a way that we need to learn how to have a conversation with people to engage. This was not a conversation. This was nothing but racist propaganda on display. What can you tell everybody about the? Because she's my winner for last week's full this week's tool award. Well, the only thing I can say is uh, I, I took two of her classes. One was um, gender equality. And the second one was history of whiteness. And I was the only white student in there. 
<laughs> but so I took gender first, okay. and uh, for the history of whiteness, she says, "Go around and tell everybody why you're taking this class." And I said, "Well, I took uh, gender equality, and I learned to hate myself for being a male." So I figured, why stop there? Let's take history of whiteness and learn why should I hate myself for being white. <laughs> and, did she, and did she tell you why you should hate yourself? Because that's obviously what this is all about. That's pretty much what the class was. It was about how white people came into power and why they still are in, in power. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and this is just insane to me that this is uh, being you know taught as, uh, oh, she goes on to say that no one, regardless of color, escapes whiteness altogether. At what? Uh, this, it, is, this is a school that's real close to Oceanside. Mm-hmm. It has Mecha, LBGT group, but they won't allow ROTC on campus. Right. So it kind of tells you about right. the college. This is what, this is, you know... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, you were able to make it through that class because I wouldn't have without my head exploding because this is just insane to me and just continuing to, this is, why is it, why is it okay now to hate white people? I don't even understand because that to me is what this is about. I think race in general is a man-made construct, uh, all meant to just divide us politically and that's what's on display there. My hero of the week is none other than Mad Dog Mattis. Uh-huh. I love any man that three years out of uniform is still wearing a high and tight um there's he's known for many many great quotes um one of my favorites is um be polite be professional but have a plan to kill everybody you meet Love it. Read more. Go to Conservative Review and read all the great quotes about him. He is a true hero. This is a man who's about to take over our Defense Department and usher in a plan to win the war on terror. Thank you all for being here. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. Have a great week, everybody. Love you all. Till next week.